found your place, say amen for me. First Kings 17, we're going to read verse number 8 down through verse number 16, and uh, then we'll get into the message this morning and uh, try, to, uh, uh, try to be as brief as I can. I know that don't mean a whole lot to you. You've been here, you've done that, y'all got t-shirts when I say that. Verse number 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, now this is Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son, or for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she, now y'all get this, she and he, Elijah, and her house, her son, did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless us. God in heaven, we love you. We thank you today for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit that we felt in your house. God, we thank you, Lord, for this place where we can come and worship. Thank you for these ladies that have come, Lord, on this Mother's Day and the children that have come to honor their mother. We thank you, Lord, for a gathering place where we can see this. And Lord, we pray now as we've just read from your word, we ask you that you would bless us. We pray that you would challenge us. Father, we ask you that you'd allow us to preach with authority and with power. Give us the unction to preach your word today. God, we pray not just mothers, but everyone would be challenged and encouraged by the message. We give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If I can uh, uh, preach very quickly, I want to preach on a mother and her meal. A mother and her meal. And it's very appropriate in reading this particular passage. We could think about all kinds of mothers in the Bible. Uh, How many remember out of the book of Judges, the the lady by the name of Jael, or Jael if you want to call it. And uh, she was a mother and uh, she had her tent prepared. And all of a sudden, the enemy of God came and she drove a nail through old Sisera's temples and nailed him to the ground. I'm glad there's some mamas that will fight for their children and their people. Amen. We can think about uh, Moses' mother, how that she gave birth and tried to hide and ended up having to put him in the bulrushes. And then Moses received another mother, Pharaoh's daughter, and, and they both... Got 
Mm. You can't even hardly describe the hand of God on that whole situation. How that Pharaoh's mother, Pharaoh's daughter grabbed that little baby out of the bulrushes and wanted to raise him as her own. But yet there was a, a nursemaid, uh, just so happens to be, I believe her name was Jochebed, Moses' mama. And she was able to, to nurse and to wean him. And so here's a man that had two mamas and they both had the will uh, for him to be successful in the life. We can think about all kinds of mothers throughout the Bible. But today we read about this widow woman. We, we, we read about this woman that had apparently a very young son. We don't know what happened to the father. We don't know maybe if he passed away during this famine. We don't know what exactly was going on. But we do know that she was a widow and uh, she had a son. And as we'll point out again, but we realize that she is at the point of death. There's nothing left for her to do but to gather those two sticks build a fire, and use the last bit of meal and the last bit of oil to make a cake for her and her son and die. Now, we understand that mothers are established in the home. I believe that when Eve was taken from the side of Adam, God uh, did not do so just to be a help meet for Adam, but also to be the mother of all nations, of all men and women. And today we do honor our mothers and we're thankful for them. Years ago when Ashlyn was just a little bitty girl, uh, she said, is there a daughter day? And as every good daddy ought to reply, I said, every day is daughter day, especially with that one. And then Braylon came along and messed it all up. And now she's become a daddy's girl. And so now I got two daughters I got to love on. But I don't complain about it a bit. I love every minute of it. But she said, is there a daughter's day? Well, the same should be said about mothers. Not only should we celebrate mothers on this, what is this, the second Sunday of May, uh, but rather we should celebrate mothers every day. Uh, let, let's just be face it, with, let's face it without trying to be funny. Uh, without your mama, you would not be here. I mean, they play a very important part in your existence. If it was left up to daddies, they'd just be daddies. There wouldn't be nothing else. But I'm glad that I've got a mother that, that is a godly mother. And I'm glad that God has given me a wife that in turn is a godly wife. And there's a godly heritage that goes back a couple generations. And the same can be said about you and in your families today. And I'm, I praise the Lord for that. But motherhood is a thankless job. Uh, we decided, or the girls decided, that they want to prepare a meal for her today. So she, Lori, went and she checked the pantry. All right, this is what we need. So we went shopping, and, and while we were away, she wrote down everything that needed to be done like she wanted it to be done. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but she wrote the directions, and then she just kind of stayed uh, in the bedroom or whatever this morning as they prepared. Uh, but as I was trying to help them get some things prepared, uh, I realized that there is, there is not just get up, put a pretty face on, and go into the kitchen and everything just appears. It would be nice if that was the case. But you got pots and pans and you got silverware and you got stuff you got to wash. And, and I don't know how the rest of you ladies are, but mine likes the kitchen clean as it's going, alright? And I'm that type of person, I have a heap full of stuff and then wash it all at the end. And she don't like that. But I tried to do good for you today, honey. And, and the girls probably have realized today, getting up early and putting the work in, that motherhood is a thankless job. We often forget about our mothers. 
Now, I realize (laughs) that we have some mothers here that are just now entering into natural motherhood. You are a mother, maybe, uh, uh, we, we think of Leah. She married in, uh, with, or married to Kurt, and Kurt had Camden, and she has taken on that role of motherhood. But here in just a matter of months, she will birth a child of her own. And I realize she claims Camden as her own, don't misunderstand me, but she's just entering into motherhood. Some have been through the fire now for years, and, and they are facing some empty nests. Some mothers have watched their children grow, and now they have grandchildren or even great-grandchildren. Some mothers today have a child that's not following the Lord, and uh, their child is not here today because maybe they're away in some other geographical area, but, but sadly there's some mothers here today that have a child that's not where they need to be spiritually. Maybe they're lost, or maybe they're backslidden on God. And then there are mothers still have had that dreaded task of saying goodbye while bearing a child. Whether it was an infant child or a young child or even an adult child, there's a myriad of, of types of mothers in this house this morning. And as we look at that, we understand that motherhood is a lifelong experience. It is an experience that starts at conception and something physiologically and biologically changes in that mother and it is forevermore changed until the mother's dying breath, regardless of what happens between those years. And so as we look at motherhood and we think about our text here, we understand that this mother uh, is alone. There is no father present and she is faced with famine. And then in her last moments, she thinks where she is going to gather those sticks and make a meal and die with her son in her arms. Here comes the preacher and says, give me a drink of water and while you're at it, bring me back a cake. Now, I don't know how y'all read y'all's Bible, but I look at it like this woman had every right to slap the preacher in the face. Uh, I mean, she was, she was in, in the grievous times of life. Literally, no two sticks to rub together. And then the preacher comes by, and I know preachers can be overbearing sometimes. Y'all can say amen. But he said, bring me a cup of water. In a famine. They're in a famine. The brook had dried up. They're in a famine, and the preacher said, bring me some water. What about that? Well, then he said, oh, go ahead and bring me a meal. Bring me a little cake while you got it. Well, she didn't fly off the handle, but she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I I don't have it. I don't have it. But we do see some things that she did have. And so I want to give you this real quick, fast, and in a hurry. I don't know if you were timing the introduction, but that was it. Now we look at point number one, this mother and her relationship with the Lord. Now, I was reading after some folks last night and this morning, and I wondered about something that he said. I believe his name was, his last name was McClare, and I done forgot his first name. But he mentioned something about this relationship with the Lord, and he compared this widow's relationship with the Lord as those with the ravens just a few verses before And he said that those ravens didn't know whom it was that said to go get meat and drop it on the preacher there by the brook. And he said it could be that this woman, she was a woman. And by definition, most women and most mothers especially are very compassionate towards another. 
And God said that he had prepared a widow woman to do this. And and so Mr. McLaren said that it could be that this woman really didn't have a relationship with God, but her own uh, her own um, uh, um, uh, being was compelled to help this preacher. And I don't necessarily disagree with him, but I believe that we have to look in God's word and see what he said. He said that uh, in verse number 9, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, if you look in the context of your, your Bible, you will understand that she had some doubts. Now, if you've ever heard the Word of God, and you know what He said, and you've had doubts, that doesn't mean that you're a horrible person. I've heard God tell me to do some things, and I've begun to count the cost, and I've wondered, how in the world am I going to do this? But I still heard the word of the Lord. And so as we look at this, we see that uh, God said, I commanded a widow there to feed thee. Now let's look there, first of all. We are looking at Zarephath, which is a refinery. There is nothing, if, if I could say it like this, there's nothing good that's coming out of Zarephath. Everything's dried up, everything's hot, everything, it's a dust bowl in the middle of the desert. But it's also a Gentile, if we could use that term, it's a Gentile city. A Gentile area. Matter of fact, it was under the rule of Jezebel's daddy. And so here uh, the prophet was. He was at the brook Cherith. And he was being fed by these ravens. He had plenty of water. Uh, but then all of a sudden, and, and, and let's look at this. It says, and it came to pass in verse 7, after a while. We don't know how long he was there. But we do know that the brook had dried up. And I'll make mention of that in just a moment. We know that the brook had dried up. And God commanded a widow woman in a Gentile land to begin to feed or sustain. Sustain the man of God. And it's amazing to me that this could be the first, listen now, it could be the first visit of God to a Gentile people right here in what we're seeing. And it could be that God chose through His wisdom and His providence to let a widow, someone that would be less suspected, a widow that has nothing to offer, it is God's providence, Kaylee, that would allow this Gentile widow broke woman to supply for God's man. So don't, don't think for a moment that if you have nothing, that you can do nothing. Because if you have nothing, that's probably a good time for God to do something for and through you. So as we look at this, we see that Jesus, over in the book of Luke, chapter number 4, uh, he thought so much about this woman that he included him, her rather, in his message in chapter 4. He said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens were shut up in Israel, or set up for three days and six months, three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. Verse 26, But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, which is Zarephath, a city of Sidon, or Zidon in our text, unto a woman that was a widow. He said there was many lepers in Israel in the time of Elias. 
Elishias or Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And so we look and we see that Jesus still respected and still honored this woman a centuries later because there was a relationship with the Lord. Now, I know that it is true that we never read of her praying. We can see, apparently, in verse number 12, she says, As the Lord thy God liveth. So, she uses the the personal name of God. She uses the word Jehovah. So, even though she's Gentile, and even though she's under a rule of a pagan king, she still knows something about Jehovah. And I believe the King James Bible says what it means, and means what it says. She could have said, uh, the God that you serve, little G, the God that you serve, I I, I promise I don't have anything. But she was very particular in who she, one, I believe she knew who this man was. Why? Because God had commanded her to sustain the preacher. And so she had a relationship here. And the Bible says that she says, as Jehovah, thy God liveth. And so we don't see her praying, but she knew the Lord. She communed with God because he says in verse number nine, that I have told her to feed Elisha or Elijah. She had been through the school of sorrows, as I've mentioned several times, that she was not only broke, uh, but she was lonely. Uh, she was a mother of a young boy, and she was a widow. And so here she was, destitute in all ways, but yet God was about to do something. Uh, one writer said this. It's kind of a long quote, but I'll read it in a, in a hurry. The personalness of the divine providence... That's his subject. He says, it is always toward a providential personalness that the Bible reads, Joseph in his dungeon, Daniel in Babylon, Saul in the house of Judas in the street called Straight. How beautiful that is that God knew the street and the number of the praying Saul who became Paul. Listen to this. He went on to say, Elisha, Elijah at Cherith, this widow at Zarephath. Here's the point. In hard times, uh, gets vision of this fact and lean your heart against the solid truth of the personalness of providence. God knows you this morning. He knows where you are. He knows what you are going through. And in His providence, He will be personal in training you up, in supplying for you, in challenging you, in using you, in empowering you. When God's providence is evident in your life, it will not be generic, it will not be general, but it will be personal. God calls men, God calls you individually to do some things. Elijah found this woman busy. Now, y'all, y'all watch your toes. I'm going to say something quick, fast, in a hurry. He found this woman busy. Where, what, what, what did he find her doing? He went, and when he came, verse number 10, to the gate of the city, behold, the woman was there gathering sticks. She was busy. This woman was busy. Now, again, I'm not trying to offend you this morning, but you let the Word of God do what it's going to do to you. There's a lot of uh, mothers, young ladies, young men, men. There's a lot of us wondering why God's not using us. It could be because we are not busy. 
It could be because we're, and I mentioned this last week, because we're sitting back waiting on God when God's already told us what to do. Somebody say amen right there. If you wonder why God's not using you, it may be because you're not busy. Oh, Lord, help me. Two quick illustrations. I know what time it is. I know what day it is. I know y'all got stuff in the oven. But listen, two things. Now, Brother Jim, he gets on to me all the time. I made one mistake. And I've explained it over and over and over again why I made that mistake. And he still won't let it lie. He was building a handicap ramp at your house, Miss Irene. And I like to fell out. And I said, boys, I'm going to the house. Well, I know why. And I've told Brother Jim, but he is... He's mean. He says it's because I was lazy. He says because I didn't want to work. It was too hot. But I promise it was not that. I promise it was not that. But I just heard of a man that just took a, a, a church, took a, a church to pastor. But I know my own personal experience how a lazy person this particular man is. And I think, that is not going to work out well at all. Because if he is not going to work out in the world, he is not going to work in the Word. Somebody say Amen. If he's not going to get out and dig and he's not going to work and sweat, then he's not going to put anything into this word. And then the people are going to die and they're going to wither away. It's all right to say amen right there. Now, in that same vein, I have no intention on supporting a missionary that is not going to work, not going to do mission work here, because when he gets wherever he's going to, he's not going to do anything there. He's just going to be sitting around pulling in a check. Now, I know that's crude, but that's what's going to happen. So the missionaries that we support, they are on the field and they are working on the field because they've proven themselves as such here. And so the the statement is, if God is not using you, it may be because you are not busy. You want God to use you? Get busy. Get busy doing something and I guarantee you God will bring some stuff for you to do. Number two this morning. This mother and her fears. This mother and her fears. We look at verse number 11 and verse number 12. We, we said, uh, she was going to fetch it, those, those, that water. He called and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it. Listen how defeatist this is. Eat it and die. She knew. She knew that this was the end for her and her son. Now, we, we have to consider her distress here. She knows the will of God. Remember in verse number 9, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So she knew the will of God, but she feels she cannot do it. How many times have God ever told you that you need to do something, but you, as I mentioned before, you start counting your costs. You start counting financial costs. You start counting physical costs. You start counting emotional costs. You start counting, well, do I have the personality to do it? Do I have the charisma to do it? Oh, what is this going to... I don't think I can do it. The problem with that is you don't think you can do it when God has already told you to do it. So this woman here, she has fears, and there's nothing wrong with fears. But if they begin to rule you, that's where you run off the track. She is focusing on how little she had. Gathering two sticks, I got a little bit of meal, 
and a little bit of oil. That's all I've got. I can't do any. I know what God said, but I can't do anything with this. Oh, my goodness. What about that widow woman's might? Jesus standing back and the disciples, well, ten years, she just put a little bit of money in there. Well, and Jesus said something to the effect that she's given more than any of these. What about that? This woman had nothing, but yet God demanded, commanded her. So I think it's safe, Samuel, to say demanded that she sustain the prophet. But she had nothing. So we see this woman and her fears. She she is focusing on how little she has. She expects the worst, that we may eat it and die. Now, there's uh, to, to apply this to us, there's common fears for our children. When they're born, or maybe when they're still in the womb, we say, will they be saved? Will they get into trouble? When will they be saved? I've given you this before, and, 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 and it's been rolling around in my mind since Ashlyn has, has graduated. Uh, the prayer that Brother David told me when his children were very young, that he began to pray from the day they were born, and maybe even before, uh, that they would be saved before or as they uh, realized that they were lost. I was with Brother Gant Morgan the other day for lunch, and he was talking about Will. Some of y'all remember Will, just a little fella. And he began uh, to pray himself. Will began to pray himself, God, let me get saved before I get old. He wants to be saved when he's a little boy. Now, that's something. That's the faith right there, Brother Kirk. Could you imagine walking into Camden's room and him kneeling on the bed or slinging from the lights or something and saying, God, let me get saved. Don't you reckon God's going to hear that? And then at the right time, in due time, God's going to begin to draw him. You know what he said, Brother Kurt? uh, Brother Kurt's daddy? He said, he said, that was a few weeks ago. He said, now he started asking questions. Daddy, what does it mean when you get saved? How do you get saved? What, what, what does it feel like? How do you know when God's calling you to be saved? Oh, it's right at the door. It's right out the door. And so the, the mothers are going to wonder, are they going to get saved? And then when are they going to get saved? But then we also have to think about uh, our fears for wayward children. You brought your child up in church or they at least know a, a moral way uh, that they should be living. And they're outside of that. And you wonder, when are they going to come back home? When are they going to come back to us as mom and daddy? When are they going to come back to God? When are they going to go to God? Those are fears that we have. We have fears for those children that have dedicated themselves to the Lord. We pray like, Lord, just keep them safe. God God, keep them on the right path. Keep them in your will. Uh, we pray, God, where where are you going to send them? And man, this gripped my heart uh, because i got two beautiful daughters. And I've done told them they ain't marrying nobody from outside of this place. Uh, they ain't moving. They ain't doing nothing. And as I was studying this, God began to grip my heart. And He said, we're raising our children to enter into some career or to be some great professional. Uh, it's time that we get back uh, to raising them in God's Word and praying that God uses them in ministry of some way, somehow, some fashion, some form, it would be good for us to say, hey, uh, we only got two sticks, but we're going to use it to feed the man of God. Uh, We don't have a big education, uh, but we're going to do it for the work of God. What would it be if you and I as mamas and daddies uh, began to desire that our children grow up to be in ministry? And you say, well, I just just got two daughters. They, They can't be in ministry. Oh, but they can do so much in the ministry. They can do so much. Maybe they don't marry a preacher. 
That's not what I'm saying. I am a preacher. My wife married a preacher. My children were born to a preacher. It is a rough life. Some of y'all know it's a rough life to be in a preacher's home. And we're, I'm just going to leave it right there. But I want you to know today, if God desires that my children marry a man of God, he better be a man of God, not somebody with just a suit on. If my children want to marry a godly man, I'm all for it all day and every day. Not anytime soon, youngins. But godly men, godly women ought to be yoked together and work for God. There may never be a preacher. What about teaching the youth? Teaching Sunday school? Going to the nursing home? Going to the prison? What about going out on the street? What about witnessing? What about telling someone about a living Savior today? As much as I would love for my children to get some great high-paying job so they can pay for me and their mama the rest of our lives, you better know I'm for it. But more than that, I want them to know who God is out of His Word, and I want them to live a life that's going to be pleasing to Him. Whoopee. Fear can do some things. Fear can rob us of strength and enthusiasm. It can uh, rob us of our compassion and our confidence. Fear brings frustration. It brings depression. One writer says that fear turns our thoughts from the mighty miracle power of the master to the meager measures of meal of the moment. Now that's had a lot of M's in it, so I'm going to read it again. Fear turns our thoughts from the mighty miracle power of the master to the meager measures of meal of the moment. If you focus on what you have right now and you base your workings for God on what you have right now instead of what He is capable of providing, you will never do anything for God. Are you defeated by your fears? Number three and last, I want us to notice this mother and the triumph of her fears. Look with me at verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not! Oh, I get excited every time I hear those words. Could you, do, 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 do you remember when, when the angel spoke to that little virgin? said, fear not. He said, you're going to bear a son. You'll call, him name, you call his name Jesus. Remember that, that husband? That one that that virgin was a spouse to? Joseph? Fear not. Remember those shepherds? Fear not. Remember those disciples out on the water with the winds and the waves boisterous? Fear not. You better perk up when you see the words fear not. Because God's fixing to speak something. Listen to what he says. He's speaking through Elijah. He says, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said. Go get your sticks. He says, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. Elijah had faith. He wasn't being uh, gluttonous. He wasn't being obnoxious. He wasn't being selfish. He was speaking these things in faith. He says, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel. The reason that he has said what he said in verse 13 is because God's already spoken to him. Look at verse 14. God said, The barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. I love it. And she went and did. I think right there is the breakdown in our modern Christianity. 
We've already communed with the Lord. He's already told us, but our fear takes a hold of us and, and we can't seem to let that fear go. Even though we have a promise of God, but she went and did. Let's look at this. This mother and the triumph of her faith. She hears the comfort of the Word of God when He says, fear not. She hears the promise of the Word of God. When Elijah said that the oil and the meal will not fail. She hears the command of the word of God. Listen to this in verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she did eat and her house did eat many days. Look back with me up to verse number. I believe it's verse number uh, uh, 13. It says. uh, 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 Let me. It's somewhere in there. It says, first, first, there it is, verse 13. Make me thereof a little cake first. See, here's the command of the Word of God. Do this first. Do this first. At first, she's fearful. But then, she follows God. In spite of her fear, and she becomes faithful. She went, and she did. Her faith seems like it's dying. I'm going to get my my two sticks. I'm going to build a fire. I'm going to take what I've got left and me and my son are going to eat it and we're going to die. Her faith seems like it's dying. But then it becomes dynamic. It becomes energetic. It becomes powerful. Look, verse 15. She and he and her house did eat many Days. Why? Why did they eat many days? Because she went and did. There is no tell. And I'm not trying. This is not no. um, I don't even. This is not a prosperity statement at all. But there is no telling. The riches. And define that word riches any way that you want to. There's no telling the riches that God is withholding from you. And he's basing it on your obedience. He's told you to do something. He's given you words to encourage you to go on. He's tried to fight the fear. But if you don't do it, then it could be that you'll stay right where you are with just two sticks and a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. She went and did according to the saying of Elijah And she and he and her house did eat many days. She obeys and God honors her faith. Let's come with a song of invitation as I read the last verse, verse 16. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which which he spake by Elijah. Faith still triumphs in trouble. Some of the some of the strongest our faiths have ever been has not been when everything was good, has not been when all the all the accounts were high, but it's been when there's been nothing. You've been so low you can't climb out. You've been so high that you're scared you're gonna fall. Troubles have have burdened you. The fire is hot. The rain is falling hard. The wind is piercing. 
But that's when the every time we read in our scripture about true faith, it's in the face of adverse faith. It's in the face of adversity. Mothers, you have mothers have so much faith, but at the same time, you have so much fear. And if we're not careful, this this is not in my notes. But if we're not careful, we'll let Satan. Feed those fears. And we'll never let go. We'll never went and do, as the preacher says. But I encourage you today. Allow faith to triumph in fear. Give it to God. Allow, you, you may be one of those mothers that I mentioned at the onset. Those that are going into motherhood. Those that are facing empty nests. Those that have children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Some mothers have a child that's not following the Lord. Maybe you've buried one child or multiple children and you don't know how you're going to go on. Can I simply say, go on for and in the Lord. Don't let life steal what God has promised that you can have. Don't life, don't let life, life is going to come at you and it's going to buffet you on every side, every chance it can. But I assure you today that God has never failed you. Oh, I know in the, in the midst of sorrow, you begin to wonder, God, where are you? In the midst of trouble, you think you're fighting it all alone. God, where are you? And I can't explain it. I've been in some of those places. I cannot explain it, Samuel. I have no words that I can explain it with. So, just these mere words is, is though you may wonder where God is, according to His Word, know that He is there. That He is with you. That He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That He has promised to be with you. To never leave you. I encourage you today, mothers especially, but all that are here today. Are you facing fears that you just can't get over? God's told you to do something. Maybe it's nothing big. Maybe it's just to take the next step. Maybe it's just to, just to get up. Maybe it's just to find strength in yourself, which comes from Him. Why don't you do it? Don't worry about what all your check boxes say. Worry about what God's Word says. Think about these two words. Fear not. Let's stand. Brother David, what are we singing? Page 157. The altar is open this morning. You come.